As I walk amongst these foundations, I see concrete into solid rock, firm and sound. I remember walking amongst the foundations of the old city of Corinth. Rubble, not so firm, not so solid and grounded. Yet Paul writes to the people in Corinth in his first letter to the Corinthians. And we learn what's good about the church. God has built for us a solid foundation, sound and firm. Jesus is the head of our church. Well, good morning, church. And so good to see so many families here. Welcome to everyone. But uh, it is especially such a great privilege to say welcome family because uh, we are the family of God, aren't we? And if you're watching online, welcome family. It's good to have you joining with us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles. We are going to spend a little bit of time in just a few verses from about 9 to 11 predominantly, but as we read, we'll include verse through to verse 15. Really doesn't matter who you are. If you're a Christian, God's called you to be involved in his kingdom building project. God is about building his kingdom. And sometimes we talk about uh, the kingdom uh, because Matthew says so much about it and uh, Jesus speaks the words, his kingdom come. And we think of kingdom, therefore, as heaven. And I want to say to you that God is building his kingdom here on earth that will be live beyond what we understand even as heaven. God has called you to be involved in his kingdom building team. And for such a long time in my life, kingdom building was about evangelism. You know, it was a, uh, the idea of putting blocks into the wall to, to make the wall of the church strong. You keep adding to the kingdom building project by bringing people into the kingdom. And, and that was my understanding. And Paulie, Paul clearly states that we are each part of the structure. We are the building. Paul in our reading says, you are God's building. So let's read uh, the section in chapter 3. Uh, come with me to verse 9. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace of God, uh, the, the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation, says Paul, as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is, speak it out with me, Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation, and they try using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw. Their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. 
It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Whatever we do becomes great when we cooperate with God. When it comes to kingdom building ministry, in particular, the things we do in serving the Lord are great. God wants us to worship him and to serve him. And it is great because God calls us to build with him. And most people know straight up that a simple building principle is to ensure a firm foundation, yeah? One day, after work on his cathedral had begun, Christopher Wren, kind of in camo, because he didn't have any particular uh, dress, recognisable dress code on, is just wandering amongst the workers, busy on this massive project, people just doing their jobs everywhere. So he's walking amongst artisans and stonecutters. And he asks one of the workmen, what are you doing? And the reply comes back, I'm cutting a piece of stone. And he asks the same question of a second stonecutter. And the answer comes back, I'm earning five shillings and twopence a day. And he asks the third workman the same question. And the man answered, I'm helping Christopher Wren build a magnificent cathedral to the glory of God. We're all part of the building and on the project team. And the perspective of what it is that we're about and whom it is that we build for kind of colours our thinking, doesn't it? And our attitude. What's your role in God's kingdom building project? The book of Nehemiah is all about Nehemiah returning to Jerusalem with the call of God on his life. And when he asked uh, what he's doing, his reply was revealing because in chapter 6, verse 3 of Nehemiah, I am carrying on a great project, a great project. Nehemiah could see that the rebuilding of the wall around Jerusalem was a great project. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, for by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than that already laid, which is Jesus Christ. I've spent a lot of my ministry in youth ministry, Sometimes it felt like exclusively, like every time I left the house, I would join myself with young people. It felt like that for a long time. Welcome, Andrew. And much of that time, Tracy working closely with me in youth ministry. And then as time rolled on, Tracy uh, at other times in children's ministry, when I've still been in youth ministry, 
And from about 20 years ago, very much into intergenerational, which was, which was a growth experience for me, that I had seen parents or people in their late 30s, 40s, 50s as the parents of my ministry rather than the whole part of the whole of my ministry. So I welcome the understanding of the church being a family together. And I hope you get my meaning in that, that we are all together in the project of being on God's team as he builds his kingdom. Everyone is called to build well. Jesus once told a parable about a wise man and a foolish man who both built houses. One had great results when the testing came and the other one didn't have such good results. Tracy and I, uh, two weeks ago, were on the Gold Coast. It was meant to be kids flying up from Melbourne, we fly down from Townsville, come together on the Gold Coast. Uh, They stayed in Melbourne, they don't like us so much anymore. So they stayed in Melbourne, they're actually locked in, aren't they? And couldn't get up, so we changed our accommodation from a great big accommodation to a very small accommodation that was big enough for Tracy and I. But as we sat on a balcony and you look around, it's a concrete jungle down there, built around sand. And when I look closely at some of those buildings, the the mind boggles as to how they stay upright. Praise the Lord for engineering, yeah? And honestly, they wouldn't stay upright without a principle of building applied to the structure. Always a lot going on under the ground. Deep and strong foundations are applied so buildings do what they're meant to do. And today I want to encourage you that God wants you to build something great in your life. And I want to encourage you that there are identifiable steps in the personal building process. No one would argue with any understanding that a great building project has to start with the foundation. That's where it starts. Houses in general need good foundations. And if you start building a a matchstick pyramid, I thought about this through the week, but I occasionally go to a conference and they give you a box of matches or just, you know, a handful of matches and they say, build us a pyramid. And you know the second time that you've got to start with the foundation and make sure that that's applied really well or the height of the thing is just not going to stay high. How does God want you to build? Well, on a firm foundation. And the first principle of building is to check the foundations. And in verse 10, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. God had given through the power of the Spirit to Paul an understanding that he needs to start really well. Paul was a pioneer missionary, or you could call him a foundational missionary. 
and he established the church at Corinth. And I think to understand this well, we need to go back to Paul's spiritual foundations here in Corinth. He preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. If I take you back to 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 2, but uh, let's look at that, go back to the start of chapter 2. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. In verse 2, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except, read it with me, Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. No uh, disconnection with the Father. The Son's authority over death, Jesus and him crucified, with the inspiration of the Spirit and the working power of the Spirit in the building and foundational process. Amen? The reason that Paul could build such an amazing work was he'd laid a firm and lasting foundation. Paul laid a foundation. What does that involve in the context of a spiritually healthy church today? That's my question for today. Because most people would rattle off and rightly believe in Christ. Belief or faith in Christ is essential. But many people believe in Christ, personal opinion only, right? I've met so many people who believe in Jesus and achieve little for the kingdom of God. There must be more to this foundation business than first meets the eye. We need to pause here a bit because when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he put his faith in Christ, yeah? But something really important happened that is so simple for us to overlook. Paul repented. There was repentance following Paul's encounter on the road to Damascus. There was a change in his life. Repentance produces change. When Peter preached in Jerusalem, what he preached was not God is love. God is love, true? Although we can't diminish that in any way, it wasn't just receive Christ, although you need to. It was this. Come with me to Acts chapter 2. Now when they heard, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? And here it is. Peter said to them in verse 38, repent and each of you be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. So when we talk about foundations for God's kingdom building, this seems in my mind, in my understanding, in my realisation of the construct and context of the whole of the Bible, that there is a prerequisite to a strong foundation. And maybe this should cause us to bow our knees and repent. It's the full surrender and repentance that's so often missed. See, the word used for repentance in the Bible is metanoia, which is a complete change of direction, often described as an about turn. Imagine driving to a destination in the wrong direction So the only way to get to the right direction is to do the U-turn, true? And go back the other way. Go back the right way. That's metanoia. That's the meaning of how the Bible describes repentance. Go back, turn back. It's a restorative process of turning towards God. Because since the fall, people are born to be moving away from God and they need to change direction and go towards God. They need metanoia, the process of going back to God, which means you leave everything else behind. That's repentance. Foundations start somewhere. And I think most of us know there are approved minimum standards in building code. Imagine a shoddy builder laying a foundation to a house and weakening the concrete mix to a 10 to 1 mix and halving the amount of steel. In the end, the foundation probably, I'm going to say probably and most likely looks the same at completion. But it's not the same. It'd be weak. It looks the same, but it's weak. And under testing conditions, it will fail. In the same way, we need a good, strong mixture for our foundations. A mix of lip service and not much else won't do. We need repentance discipleship and a real solid commitment to Christ to build on when we want to build what Christ wants in our lives. These days in Australia, we have very stringent tests for our buildings. And since uh, cyclones are a thing up here in the north, even stronger code in North Queensland for good reason, tested reasons. Here are some tips from an article that I read about inspecting the foundation. We need to be aware of not just obvious weaknesses in our foundations, but the ones that lie beneath the surface. We need to be aware of sin. 
In 1 Timothy 5 and 24, it says, the sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. And uh, because it's 1 Timothy, Paul makes it clear that some sins are really obvious and recognisable. Others are more easily hidden and maybe not so obvious. I believe Christians do pay special attention to lots of areas in their lives and consider their little sins as just as destructive as bigger, more obvious ones. And uh, our whole process, our whole understanding is to agree with God that sin is sin. True? I believe it's true. But how do we apply it? Checking for cracks in the foundation of our lives is a healthy spiritual discipline. We should inspect the foundation of our lives in the crucial areas. Remember the passage. For we are God's fellow workers, God's field, God's building, according to the grace of God which was given. And we build as wise in laying the foundation. I believe we need to inspect the foundation of truthfulness because the fruit of truthfulness over time is trust and we need to guard trust. And trust is an investment of truth. When there is significant truth tested, there will result in trust. We need to inspect our lives for any hint of compromise with truth. Recognise that compromises to truth often occur in very small steps. There's a strong and resounding voice in societal culture today that's eroding our understanding of biblical truth. It's all over us. It's all around us. And there's only one standard for truth, and that is God's standard. Are you with me on that? So we are errant when we compare what we hear or read with our own perspective. And I've met so many commentators even who claim Christian established uh, foundations in their life, but they base what they hear on their understanding and on what they believe to be right. We should know and value God's truth and therefore consider all information we hear based on his one perfect truth. I declare that our opinions are not where it's at. God's recorded truth is where we go to to get perspective and when we've gone there long enough and consistent enough when we hear the message coming to us from society we have a value we can apply immediately is that true in your life if you're a biblical thinker you will know that that is true Unfortunately, a small exaggeration often leads to larger misinterpretations of truth. 
a small unfulfilled promise leads to more and more outright falsehoods when not acknowledged. I declare that the scripture is our source of truth for life. The Bible is our one text, guidebook, instruction manual and standard for truth and there is no other. There are very, very, very good commentaries written, sourced and based in the scripture and I love them. But until we know that that's anchored in scripture, I'm not going to accept it as gospel. You with me? I've learned that even scripture can be misinterpreted. There's human tendency to avoid the hard biblical truths that really come from the heart of God. And we cannot compromise. And we have to fight against the temptation to see God in our light or to see God in our circumstances or to see God agreeing with our perspective. We are called to agree with God and his law and his truth. He doesn't even have a perspective. He has truth and we need to agree with him. That's how we build a great foundation. God is God, scripture is truth and we sometimes have to swallow down hard on it. It's what it is without compromise. We recognise that we face daily tests of our commitment to speak this truth. We strive to obey the commands of Jesus. But ultimately, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no, because anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Uh, Sometimes we might think that a half-truth or a white lie are okay, or we might begin to lie to ourselves about our walk with God. And therein is a really, really dangerous place. When we confess Jesus as Lord, it simply has to be the truth or it's not going to cut it. Whether we reflect upon ourselves as Christian or not. Inspect the foundation also of thoughts. Our thoughts are hidden from view, but they shape our actions. And many of the obvious things Paul refers to in 1 Timothy 5 and 25 uh, began in the secret places of the heart and thought world, both positive and negative things. Jesus declared, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. And Jesus makes it so very clear that this list of obvious sins begins with the heart and thinking. All of it starts in our heart and our thought processes. So when these potential cracks in the foundation of our life are allowed to continue, they develop into habits and patterns of thinking and often lead to actions because they become our new truth. So where do we go to for truth? Back to the scripture with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in our life. True? So when our thoughts happen, we need to align our thoughts with what we know is true in the scripture. Simple, yeah? So hard. (laughs) But necessary if we want good foundations. So the foundations are not what we do 
It's what God has already done that we align ourselves with. Does that make sense? God has already laid the foundation. Paul connected with God to build this foundation. So God, what do you need from me? My submission says whatever you want, that's what I'm available for. And so out of repentance comes growth, comes a strong foundation which produces growth. And a thing doesn't fall when the foundations are good. I believe that those who have a desire to have firm foundations in their life are people who are open to spiritual disciplines producing growth and are people who will recognise the danger of allowing thoughts sinful to control them and will resist these thoughts. And we need to understand that even though no one can see what we're thinking, there's a danger in allowing uncontrolled thoughts to continue. We should know that issues like pornography, lust or anger will not be hidden forever, but will eventually be expressed in actions. And uh, this is my last one. Inspect the foundations of motives, why we're doing what we're doing. As time flies, and it does, time just keeps rolling. We can lose sight of the very good intentions that got us to great places. Great motives. And also, uh, we need to stay aware that impure thoughts can creep in through carelessness, through complacency, through allowing time, the use of our time, to move us away from the good disciplines that have given us great foundation. Every now and then, it's probably good and timely to ask yourself, hey, why did I do that? What was that about? What was I thinking? And uh, to give yourself a tick if it was to glorify Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Good to do cross-checking occasionally, just to go, oh, great day today. But before I go to sleep, why did I do some of those things? That's right, because I believe the Spirit of God led me to go do right that thing. I'm doing it because of my relationship with God and out of a good spiritual habit and out of a sense of I want to see Jesus glorified rather than maybe to impress people. The Lord said to Samuel, don't look at the things that man looks at, because man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Notice the distinction between our intentions and our desires. Intentions or motives are what we want to do and what we don't want to do. Desires, on the other hand, are what we're feeling drawn to, which is why God will give you the desires of your heart. Did you get that? Not just what you want to do, but what you're drawn to because of the God influence in your life. 
The Holy Spirit at work in your life will give you desires that will glorify the name of Jesus. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 11, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Today we're suggesting that we lay that foundation in truth. We lay it in godly thinking, awareness and agreement with God about how we need to live and worship. Creating and developing and maintaining firm foundations with godly motives. You see, we can't lay these foundations on our own. We establish them in our relationship with Christ. Isn't that beautiful? That he has done all the work. He has laid the foundation and we need to align ourselves with his kingdom building foundations. I want to pray. I, I want to uh, acknowledge that if you need prayer, you're welcome to come to the front, sit at the front here. Someone will come and pray with you. Uh, there's a, uh, some prayer chairs uh, to your right in the direction that I'm pointing. If you look, if you turn around and look towards the uh, sound desk just to the left the little door uh, and you can go in there and sit and someone will come and pray with you there as well invite the team to come up and lead us as we conclude invite you to stand as we pray Father, we just want to declare that your ways are truth and right, that your way is righteousness, that you have laid a good, firm foundation and that we acknowledge that we need to align ourselves in everything that you state which is right, that you are good and great and gracious and we believe that the grace that you have applied through the death, the resurrection, Jesus Christ and him crucified is our foundation. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us so much. May we live with intentionality to serve you and to worship you.